Hey everyone, this is Jamie Dale here with a special intro message before this latest episode. So, some backstory to this episode. It came about as a, kind of a redo of a conversation Kyle and I had maybe two years ago, which to this day goes down in memory as one of our favorite and like most in-depth and like best conversations we've ever had while sitting on a couch. It's the basically the backstory to what we like about gaming and our super different play styles in terms of me preferring kind of solo isolated play and Kyle really gearing towards a more social type of play. It's a super personal conversation and involves some information about my personal family, um, kind of how I grew up, and it also, you know, Kyle's got feelings also and a family. So after we recorded it, it felt super weird <laughs> to have it exist. So at first we put it off because South by Southwest came and we're like, well, we definitely have to do that first because, you know, timely. Uh, and then we put it off because my mic was messed up on that episode. And to me, that was such an amazing excuse to not be vulnerable on the Internet, even if the vulnerability isn't actually that intense. And listening to the episode again, it's not that bad. It just, it touches on a lot of topics, I think, that are very personal for both me and Kyle. So, but we're going to do it. We're going to do it even though the audio is kind of tinny because my mic is mess was messed up. It is no longer messed up. So that's exciting. That's a plus. Uh, so the audio is not the best. You know, it was recorded a month ago. It's got some personal stories, so we make some awkward jokes because we're trying not to be too overwhelmed with the fact that we're talking about our personal lives and putting it on the internet, which is something neither of us really do. But we're going to do it. It's going to be great. And thanks for listening to us talking about our history, and we hope you enjoy the little snapshot into into baby Jamie and baby Kyle. See you at the other side. Hello and welcome to gaming broadcast this is your host jamie dale from gamingbroadly.com and uh kyle of not those things <laughs> i love how your identity is defined by a lack that's really yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's really uplifting i like to define myself by an absence <laughs> Uh, speaking of absence, um, tonight I was going to be absent for this recording because I was really heavily leaning towards watching a cheesy animal video like Fox and the Hound or Homeward Bound or Milo and Otis. But then Kyle. Yeah, you opened with Milo and Otis. <laughs> and then it was ruined. And now I don't know if I ever want to see animals ever again. Uh, well, yeah, because like that's such like a downer of a movie. If you know, uh, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many kittens were drowned in that river, but it is a high. Number if it's of more than zero, it's too many. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, if you knew that one kitten drowned, <laughs> but it's like it's somewhere up near ten, uh, ten to twenty double digit kitty death, double digit yeah death. Yeah, no, uh, thanks. Japan. Is it Japan that made Milo notice? Uh, that's what I remember. I don't remember. And I'll never know because yep. I'm never going to watch it again. Yep. So it will forever be a mystery to me. I don't know how many animals died in uh, Homeward Bound. Uh, I th- but I haven't heard anything. So <sighs> one would, I assume it's zero. One would hope not. I mean, I know... So there's probably a, a different air bud every time there's an air bud. <laughs> I mean, dogs only live so long. Yeah. I don't think they're killing like air buds. four months? 
<laughs> they don't come out with a new Airbud movie. Every Just long months. enough to to film a movie and then and they're done. Has there been an Airbud video game? Is this an untapped market? Uh, I think that is an untapped market. Okay. I don't think it came out at the right time for uh, video game tie-ins. Mm, it's probably true. It's probably true. It's never too late. Nostalgia. It's a big. It's a big thing. Uh, I, I have a lot of nostalgia for a lot of those like old sad animal movies, like Fox and the mm-hmm. Hound. I, I get real mad at Fox yeah. and the Hound though. That movie pisses me off. And Fox and the Hound the sequel is worse. It's just very There's upsetting. A yeah, it's they're all upsetting. They're one of those that you watch them and they're just as sad and upsetting as when you were a child. And I'm a little confused why they thought those movies were appropriate for children. In terms of like... Because uh, they were animated. I mean, yeah. Which, you know, dark things. Not that I don't think kids can't handle dark things. They can. But there needs to be... Ex- like a dark crystal. Some... <laughs> or any... What is it? Never ending story. Yeah. Which is... Oh my god, that horse. Oh god. I'm gonna cry. Okay. <laughs> I can't handle this conversation right now. Um, did, did I tell you... Um, so... I I vaguely remember Fox and the Hound. The the VHS copy that we had as a kid, um, it was either like a like a test copy or a rip of a of a video. Because I remember, uh, like halfway through the movie, there starts being text scrolling at the bottom of the screen, um, and it's it's far enough removed from my mind that I either remember it as being like a a weather report <laughs> or or like a this is a uh like a personal viewing copy like do not distribute kind of a thing like not for resale I really wanted to be a and we got it report. we got it at a kmart <laughs> so oh kmart I love I don't kmart. know yeah um I really hope it was a weather report and i I wanted to be a metaphorical weather report. Where it's like cloudy yeah. with seventy percent chance of sadness, right? Or something like that. Um, is <laughs> oh Kmart? Was it like a new version mm-hmm. from Kmart? Uh it could be. <laughs> Maybe it was the warning we were talking about, where it was like not appropriate for children without context. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what it was. Oh, childhood. Speaking of of childhood and games, since we were talking about Airbud games, um, you played games as a child. Did I? <laughs> Maybe it's I've you've told me that this is news to me. But you're kind of, you know, a jerk. So <laughs> yes, I, I did play uh, games as a kid. I think you played games as a kid, too. Maybe. I did. I played a lot of games. Um, it's true. My my first memory of... It's one of those that if anyone ever asked me what my first game I ever played was, it's a little vague. Like, it's tied between one of those really old Berenstein Bears games. Uh, Berenstein or Berenstain? <laughs> Jerk. <laughs> I just want to find out if we're from the same universe. <laughs> we're not. We're not from the same universe. <laughs> um, yeah, it was either that or one of those typing games where you were supposed to... The faster you typed, the faster your little kayak went in these races. But I, I prefer the question when it's more what are the most... Like, what are the games you remember from childhood that were the most influential or meaningful I think that has to, oh, okay. because everyone played games. Is I mean, everyone plays games. Humans play games. It's kind of hard to to pinpoint the first moment in which you you ever played a game. But when people ask me the question of what were the most meaningful, it's usually tied between the Barbie Horse Adventures game, which was all about like finding a missing horse and making friends, or Diablo Two, which was more high school, and of course like Ocarina of Time, Skyrim, Harvest Moon. I was like a yeah. PlayStation 1 slash Super Nintendo kind of meaningful. I had games. <laughs> this is the point. <laughs> there were games. There were a lot of games. I remember many of them. There were games. They were played. <laughs> I played games. 
Okay? I played them. Okay. All right, I believe you. Thanks. Uh, I, I don't remember playing a lot with other people is one thing. I remember my best friend and I played a lot of Super Smash Brothers, but I wasn't very good at it, which is a consistency I've maintained to this day as I'm horrible at Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> so bad. Who did you play as? Probably a Pokemon. Jigglypuff, maybe. Okay. Or I, I would just choose random ones. You keep trying to find the one that you were good at. Yeah, and I never did. It wasn't like, um, like, not Soul Sword. Soul Calibur. <laughs> Sorry. It wasn't like Soul Calibur where I could pick... Soul Sword. <laughs> uh, Collecting all the souls in the sword. <laughs> to do battle. For the universe. Uh, we joke, but I'm pretty sure that's verbatim the intro. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Soul Calibur. But it wasn't like Soul Calibur. In a land full of swords. <laughs> and souls. Only one can survive. Uh, I'm done with the podcast now. There's nowhere else to go from here. Thanks for tuning in. We'll join you never because I'm exploding my computer. R.I.P. <laughs> so cute. Rip. Um... Yeah. It, yeah. So yeah, I remember playing that with my friend Super Smash Brothers. Super. Oh, I'm super bad at that. And then the only other game <laughs> played stupid Smash Brothers. <laughs> Basically. Oh, <laughs> I went to like a sleepover party at a community center one time, and they were playing it, and it was the worst. Yeah. It was the worst. I really didn't like it. Um, and then there were some fighting games I like casually played with friends. And then I used to hang out and watch people play Halo, but I myself did not play. I, when I was younger, I didn't have the funds to ever have the current system, and the Xbox at that time was the most current, so I did not own it. <laughs> and that, mm-hmm. that's about the time I bought the PlayStation 1, I guess. Yeah, because Xbox and PS2 were around at the same time, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It feels weird to say the Xbox and the PS2 were around at the same time, but yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I just think of the PS2 being around like so much earlier than the Xbox. I I wouldn't know because I was still chugging away at my N64, <laughs> and yeah, super excited about Harvest Moon on PlayStation One. Um, and then whatever bad games my computer would play, which mostly were no games, so I just made web pages because I couldn't play video games. <laughs> your but your I... Angel Fire <laughs> websites? GeoCities, thank you. Thank you very much. Angel Fire is for dweebs. Oh, wow, okay. I'll just delete mine, I guess. Uh, did you have any of those multiplayer type things going on? Did you do LAN parties? Yeah, uh, we did quite a, quite a few LAN parties. Um, I think it would be middle school, high school when the Xbox came out for me. Um, I think high school, early high school. Uh, and like Halo was, was the big thing. And um, mm-hmm. that was like a, a really crazy experience because um, we would like we would go to like church camps and stuff and and play Halo because like they would just hook up like four Xboxes and it'd be like sixteen people playing. Whoa! Um, so that was like my my first experience of like playing a game with like so many people. It was pretty cool. I I really enjoyed that experience um, a lot. But like I I just like I enjoyed the aspect of like uh playing with other people i guess that that's kind of been like my experience from from playing games because uh, like starting out like when my brother and i were kids uh we would always be playing the games that we could play like at the same time uh probably because we didn't have any patience uh to wait for the other person um to finish so we always <laughs> had like um we had uh Donkey Kong Country and uh, Kirby All-Stars. Um, those games worked out really well for us. We really enjoyed those a lot. I mean, we played so much Donkey Kong. Um, that's that's something that probably my brother and I could do. Like, I mean, we probably wouldn't be good at it, but we could do a speed run of it in, in like an hour or so. 
because we love that game. That... We know like a lot of the secrets from <laughs> doing dumb things and dying and finding secret barrels. Oh man, Donkey Kong. That's a super hard game. Yeah. It's not easy. <laughs> it's like they yeah. were still Especially stuck. Especially as you get to like the third one. That one is super hard. It's like that was, that was the age of games where they were still kind of stuck on arcade level difficulty, even though you were no longer in the arcade. Because you know there was like the thing yeah. where arcade games got increasingly more difficult because they wanted you to put in more To eat your qu- quarters. Yeah. And then the games got out like have since I think one of the reasons they've maybe gotten a little bit easier is one because like more narrative has been introduced, I think, into games. Right. Um, but yeah. also because they no longer need you to give them money after you buy the game. <laughs> mm-hmm. You've already paid a thousand The sword needs souls. <laughs> Feed it to him. That's why I had no friends actually and in high school is because I invited them all over to play Soul Calibur. <laughs> Strange number of flower pots in my in my backyard, though. Um, yeah. I don't... I never got that enjoyment out of watching... I'm not watching. I, I do get enjoyment watching people play games, but participating in large groups of games, my... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the idea of, like, being in a huge room full of people playing games makes me super anxious. Everyone's yeah. always like, oh, have you gone to PAX East? Have you gone to PAX South? Have you gone to South by South? PAX West? North? Meh, PAX anything? Gaming? Europe? Anything. And the answer's always no, because to me it sounds... Um, I don't know. I, I, I just It's not what I associate with gaming, which I realize is bad. Not bad. It's different because I know for a long time when we were growing up, there was a huge push to convince mostly adults who are a little confused by video games that gaming was not a thing just for loner nerds who had no friends. Remember this <laughs> where everyone like thought video games were just the thing that people with no friends did and it took a lot of convincing for people to realize how inextricably social gaming was. Right. Like, it's very tied into communities and friends and, like, playing with other people. I mean, the arcade was a humongously social experience back when that was a thing. And then when the console got brought into the home, it was also a very friend-type thing. And even when there weren't friends playing with you, there were things like Nintendo Power Magazine, which you could, like, write in and participate and, like, was kind of, like, still socializing in a way because it was all... Do you remember Nintendo Power? I never had Nintendo Power, but I remember it, yeah. Yeah, but, like, walkthroughs and stuff like that, like, are very social. Yeah. Those are things made by people. For, I don't know. I just, I know we've we've been working to assert that video games are not for loner social nerds, although there are loner social nerds who play them. It's a very social thing. Yeah. But for me, I'm like, please no. <laughs> please no one be in this room while I'm playing this game. With things like game facts uh when when pokemon came out and like they were just starting to write i mean it was a different site but i remember as game facts um because there wasn't really a lot of information about pokemon um so it was a lot of people kind of just writing up what they experienced and like building an understanding of what the world was um because that's where, like, people found out the missing number Pokemon, which was, like, the glitched Pokemon that could, like, ruin your game. Missingo! But technically, if you wanted to have all the Pokemon that were in it, like, you had to get missing number, which, like, didn't really count. But, like, if you wanted to be, like, a master of Pokemon, you had to get it. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was a tutorial, like, walkthrough, like, explaining, like, where you had to go and everything. And it was pretty cool. Oh, I mean... Pokemon. <laughs> Let's scrap this whole conversation and just talk about Pokemon. I could do that. <laughs> I do it with the kids all day. Pokemon Red and Blue. It's the same conversation like every day, but I can I can do it. So that was another meaningful one that even Pokemon Red and Blue was really designed to be played with friends because they designed those games specifically so you could not complete the Pokedex without a friend who had a different. It's also monetary making thing um but if you didn't have a friend who you know you had to have a friend who had the different color who had caught the other pokemon that were not available and your color and then connect you remember the physical hardware to connect with those Mm -hmm. those oh what was it called it was like the 
network center or something like that. I don't know. It was on the second floor of the Pokemon Center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and if you wanted a Gengar, you had to trade with somebody, and then they'd have to like trade it back if you wanted like your Gengar. It's bananas because you couldn't you couldn't ever uh, evolve it past a Hauntar. So detailed, all these little things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I remember I've never completed a Pokedex largely because I'm I'm often hindered by <laughs> the need to have friends. This sounds horrible. I have friends. There's not many that I cultivate gaming relationships with. There's only been a few. There's been you. I've played a lot of games with you. You're probably one of the few people, other than my sister, that I can recall playing through an entire game with. In fact, we've played through, I think, several entire games. I mean, other than Diablo 20 million times. We've also played through other games. I think, like, all the Mass Effect. There's been a few at this point. Mm -hmm. Um... I slept through when you played Journey, but I was there. But yeah, it's, it's been you. My sister, I remember watching her play Ocarina of Time as a kid, and that was that was really nice. Um, I don't know, a few boyfriends I've dated. I guess I've played online games with them. Or like they've been playing a game in the background. But And then I guess in Providence, people would come over when I was living in that apartment with Pete. I think people would come over and play games. But I don't ever remember really watching. I feel like I was always in the kitchen. This sounds real stereotypical. I was always in the kitchen like cooking. <laughs> Making a sandwich. <laughs> Chicken nuggets, actually. But yes, that is in fact what I was doing like 70% of the time. But yeah, I remember growing up, while games could be social, I, I really enjoyed them as a solo activity, and I used them very much so as it was an escape from, from what was going on around me. And not necessarily an escape like I was going I going off into another world and losing track of reality or any of that phobia stuff that people had. But more like being in an environment where I did not have to attend to the needs of others. Okay. Yeah, I so yeah. like especially conversational needs or emotional needs. You know, I grew up in a house with um with my mom and my sister, my dad had died, so we were all pretty close for the most part. And then we would visit mm-hmm. other family members, and our other family was quite extended. Like, my dad's family... Oh, this is a sad story. I'm going to tell you, though. This is a good one. So we would go and visit places like my dad's family, like his brothers and sisters and their family. Which There's nothing more sad and weird than being the child of someone who has died visiting the family of the dead person. <laughs> Right. Yeah, yeah, it's just, and my dad had died before I was born, like, about, I think, I can't remember, I think it was, like, three months before I was born. So I'd mm-hmm. never really known him either, but all these people are really affected by me and my sister being present, because, of course, having a sibling die is a pretty traumatizing event. A sibling or a son. Um, and so I remember it just being always kind of stressful, and I was kind of like emotionally, I mean, I was a child, so I, my emotional intelligence was relative to my age, which was in like the less than 10, maybe around 10 area. And it was like weird. Yeah. It just felt weird. So what I would do is I would actually go to the basement of that house, basically, and play Spyro on their PlayStation. Or Mm -hmm. I would use their computer and participate in those, like, online forums games. Do you remember those? Those are a lot of fun. No. Where I would, like, pretend to be a horse and you, like, answer to people's forum posts. It's kind of like, it's probably similar to Dungeons and Dragons, but without, like, the rolling of the dice. It's just, like, creative shared storytelling. It sounds a little creepy, (laughs) but... It is. You're a horse and I've touched your butt. Yay. That's a... Said the horse. That's, that that was about fifty percent of it. So it was it was pretty creepy. But yeah, I remember just feeling really safe in that, and I think some of it's because games are so absorbing that I didn't have to necessarily pay attention to like the conversational. I, I just repeated this, but the conversational emotional needs of what was going on around me. 
Okay. And that's been pretty common in a lot of places. Like, I definitely use games when I visit home if there's some sort of, like, emotionally stressful thing going on in the home between my mom or my sisters or just, like, wanting to completely turn off. Yeah. I don't know. That sounds horrible. And it's, yeah, and it's, it goes I've against... Yeah, I've seen it a couple times. <laughs> I've been there for that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's a delving deeper into into myself (laughs) Uh and I did that too my older sister I did that at her house too when she lived in Michigan like I remember going to the basement the difference between that though is I would play that with my nephew who's kind of similar in age to me we would play games together but I remember playing a lot of games alone down there also and once he got old enough to want to play with me a lot uh, it no longer was fun and I stopped doing that (laughs) oh yeah, I, I remember you telling me the story about The Sims. <laughs> oh, which which story? There's so many. My um, cheat codes this is the, the, Sims. the story where he, he cheated. Oh, it wasn't The Sims. I cheated on The Sims because I wanted, oh. I wanted money. But he cheated on Civilizations, I think. And I had asked him. He used okay. to come over to my house and use my computer to play games. And I'd be like, sure, you can mm-hmm. use it. But for some reason, I was like on some weird crusade against cheating at the time. And I was like, you can yeah. you play my games, but you can't cheat. And one time I walked in on him cheating and I like unplugged my computer, which is horrible for the computer. You should never do that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that was a jerk move. <laughs> was, like what a horrible, it's, it's miraculous that he still talks to me to this day. <laughs> Uh, maybe uh yeah but my mom has not always liked my game playing i think for that reason that it's definitely a way for me to to turn off like i never really involved my mom in my digital gaming world which is different than we were very game heavy family in terms of board games and card games especially but digital games were always something that were mine that I did not share with anyone in my family that I felt I didn't have to talk to them about. And it became kind of my own private... It's kind of like my own... I didn't keep a diary, but I would say, like, gaming became a form of diary keeping for me. Like, I can't... Just a bunch of those save points. Yeah, and to be honest with you, there's a lot of stuff in my life that I can recall based on what game I was playing at the time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and my emotional state and the games I were playing were all kind of tied in together that sounds very Hmm. metaphorical but i remember there was once where i was like feeling there's stuff going on i don't remember i was young but there's stuff going on in terms of me feeling very tired and overwhelmed with things and then i remember i was playing sailor moon really really late into the evening and i like Not Sailor Moon, sorry, Harvest Moon. I wasn't playing Sailor Moon because they have not released an English version of a game other than Sailor Moon Drops. It's a travesty. Anyway, I was playing Harvest Moon and I cracked my neck. Well, an official one. You could get a cracked one. I know, but I don't want a cracked one. I want an official one. I was (sighs) playing Harvest Moon and I cracked my neck and I passed out because I cracked it in the wrong way. Uh, And I remember going into my mom's room at like 2 a.m., be like, Mom, I just passed out. And it was probably because I was playing video games until 2 a.m. as like a, uh-huh. as like a 12-year-old or whatever. And um, she told me to go back to sleep. And I remember being like, if I'm dead in the morning, you'll be sorry. And I, I feel like that was pretty representative of my weird relationship with my mom at the time. Because I was becoming a teenager. and <laughs> I remember to save my game. <laughs> Don't play it. Just save it and leave it. Yeah, like there's uh, that weird stuff that happens when you're becoming a separate entity from your from your parents. Yeah, I suppose. I think mine's been late in my life, but <laughs> I've always been developmentally behind, I guess. <laughs> you, did you recently call your parents and tell them if you were dead in the morning, they'd be sorry? Yeah. <laughs> Rude. Rude, Kyle. I said, you can't tell me what to do. I'm an adult. You, no, you, I didn't say anything like you that. You are an adult. But You're not. I am an adult. <laughs> and I just realized it the other day, so I called him to tell him that. Mom, did you know I'm legally responsible for my actions? 
Yeah, so there's this super wonderful, this is one of the reasons actually I feel like Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time I always loved growing up, and it's such like an amazing like one person, one player game. Although um, a lot of people obviously play it collectively. If you can see that in terms of like the speed run marathons that people do with their friends. But right. there was this wonderful quote from Miyamoto about the creation of Legend of Zelda. And he's actually is two where he talks about the game both as being representative of how he felt when he was exploring in the backyard of his like mountain home in terms of like, you mm-hmm. know, picking up rocks and looking at bugs and going through the trees. Like very like outwardly exploratory. Like taking and fighting goblins. Yeah, like horizontal space, like going out, all that stuff. His giant green hat. You know, as you do when you're a child. But then he also had this great mm-hmm. quote where he talks about Legend of Zelda as being like this small wondrous world that was similar to like the cool objects he found in his mom's drawer or something. Like just like weird domestic like tiny things that were more like inward and domestic and internal. And I, and okay. I love the counterplay of those two feelings. Like, you have the, like, going out and adventuring, and then you have the, like, very inward-seeking, like, inner-world type of exploration. And so I've, I've always mm-hmm. leaned more towards the secondary one, but that other one's also fine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I do play some multiplayer games with you. I mean, me, you, and um, my old friend Bob used to really... Uh, Destiny, Destiny up, which to me was a big deal to right. like play a first person shooter online with people using voice chat. It was the first time I'd ever done that. Yeah, I mean that I, uh, I mean I guess I've done it a couple times with some of my friends, um, but not like on a console, I guess, in that kind of environment. Um, it was usually just uh, how do I? I mean, it's like. Uh, you know, a couple of your friends get together to play a game as opposed to like getting together in a world to play something together, I guess. Mm-hmm. And like the whole matchmaking stuff where it's like you're finding randos to, to play with as well. It's like, <laughs> ugh, that was stressful. I hated doing that in WoW and I hated doing it in Destiny. That's why you liked me and Bob, right? Because we had that three person. Yeah, so we they <laughs> completed most of our team, so we didn't need other people. <laughs> We were quite a team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, that's, that was the only time I've ever done that. But I think that's one of the only times I've ever consistently played a multiplayer team game. Um, Diablo, mm-hmm. a little bit here and there. But even when I played WoW, I mostly did it. I didn't really do raids. I mostly did like solitary stuff, which is like a weird way to use an online, <laughs> a massively online yeah. multiplayer game. I was like, I'm going to hang out by myself. Right. Um yeah, but you you play. I mean, you you obviously play a lot of games with your friends because you have a lot of YouTube videos to to document. I've got a couple of YouTube videos, I guess. <laughs> it's more than zero. It's more than zero. Yeah, less than ten. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, we do a lot of multiplayer. I mean, like I, I talked about it before, how it's like it's like our hangout yeah. kind of a thing. It's kind of like a structured um, get-together conversation. And it's just like a thing to do while we're having a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've done that with playing like Team Fortress 2. And we did a lot with Borderlands, like a ton with Borderlands. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember that period. You were also doing that yeah. where you were playing as a group, um, the Borderlands, the Tales from Borderlands. Yes. You were yeah. doing that for a while. Mm-hmm. So we've done a lot with Borderlands doing that. Um, but like uh, with with those games, it's like that's where we would do like the, the whole roles or whatever. Um, and I I fell into the role of like the healer um, because we needed that or else we were going to fucking die because <laughs> we just kind of run and gun. Or, well, well, that's what Kurt does, I guess. So it's really to save Kurt. Um, I think this is the moment where we acknowledge the fact that me and Kurt have similar playing styles. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I like playing Diablo with you is just like playing Diablo with Kurt. <laughs> we both like the very where... large characters that require very uh-huh. little stealth. 
You just run in, smash <laughs> things, and pick up everything that's shiny. <laughs> hey, everybody, look at this gun that I got. Oh, cool. Look at look at that entire loot box that you have of things. <laughs> I found this pistol. I don't need it. But it looks like you have a whole lot of purples <laughs> that you found. No one knows what purples are, Kyle. Purples are better than greens <laughs> and blues. Helpful. That's all you need to know. <laughs> have you, um, was there a moment where playing with other people caused you anxiety or made you nervous or unhappy? Oh, uh, yeah. Anxiety is, um, when I played, uh, when I did World of Warcraft, uh, when you did Battlegrounds, mm-hmm. um, when I was the most, uh, like physically nervous, is any time that we did battlegrounds uh because when you do raids and stuff it's it's all versus computers so like the computers have like set things that they do and you know uh i can be most classes and just kind of like stay in the back and like it doesn't matter but with battlegrounds uh you're versing humans and so uh the humans on your team get get real mad if uh they find you not doing great at your job and they get (laughs) uh pretty verbal about it so it it always stressed me out to be like oh shit like what am i gonna do wrong in this time that i play it that someone's gonna get mad at me and like every time that i would do it like everybody else would be like having fun and like just love doing battlegrounds but i hated doing battlegrounds and i hated like uh, when like rogues would like sneak up behind me and kill me or when any of the other 12 classes would sneak up behind me and kill me. It was terrible. <laughs> That's funny actually. So the reason you didn't like that style of gameplay is the same reason why I was like escaping some social situations, which I think really interesting. Like I was escaping social situations in which I wasn't doing what people were expecting me to do, which is related mostly to like emotional or conversational competence or labor or just like knowing how to act with family members. I'd be like, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to escape this with video games. And you're just like, ah, people are expecting this of me and I'm afraid of letting them down. I hate this. But, like, in-game. Yeah. And, it, like, and eventually, like, you get used to it and you get better. Um, and I guess it's, like, a, you know, like, trial by fire kind of a thing. Because um, we, I, I did get pretty competent at it. Um, it still was, like, stressful, but it became less stressful, I guess, as it went on. I got pretty good with my hunter uh, doing some pretty cool trick shot kind of stuffs where I could uh, be running away. Uh, flip around like I would jump, flip around with my mouse, fire, and then do a like a full like 360 back so I could just keep running. It was pretty sweet. <laughs> it took a long time to learn that. <laughs> I think the other thing that was like stressful with doing like battlegrounds and raid stuff is like you also because this is before uh, all the microphone, you know verbal stuff like you could talk to people easily um you had to like type so you always like and i was not and i'm still am not like a very good typer so to have to play a game and type at the same time like people want you to have a conversation while they're also slaying things and then like hey man you why didn't you do that shot what are you doing over there <laughs> you're like I'm trying to answer the question you said like two minutes ago. Hold on, wait. And the answer is I ate potatoes or something. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyways, that's my embarrassing wow life. Is that why you like Hearthstone? Because they have the like pre-made responses to things. Uh, Yeah. I mean, that's that's what's nice about that. I love Hearthstone. I guess I've played that multiplayer. That doesn't actually feel like playing with another person sometimes. It feels like playing with um, an AI at varying degrees of skill levels. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's because they don't really talk, right? You just do like, good job. Yeah. Or ouch. Or whatever. (laughs) Well met. (laughs) 
Can can you do another one? Um, I gotta think of some other ones. Um, that was a mistake. <laughs> Just speak like that to me all the time. Just remember the Hearthstone responses and only communicate to me. I think it's just like all the paladin. Like I don't know why I remember like all the paladin ones. Do you even play paladin all that often? No, I, I don't play. But like I see other people play it, so like they reverse me, and I guess paladins are real vocal. That's very funny. Yeah, so I have, I have some research. Ready for action. <laughs> exactly right. I am ready for action, and I got some... Sti- Put this apple on your head! I'm trying to tell you some statistics, Kyle. Uh, there's no time. I've got to remember all these cards and <laughs> what they sound like. <laughs> They're real good statistics. I, I won't read the... Well, I'll, I might read some of the numbers out loud. But it's more that this is an issue, and you can tell me what you think about it. I, I, I'm predicting your answer already. But okay. so there was an article by Kotaku a couple of years ago that was just reporting on some research done by the Pew Research Center, which was about teens and their use of it was teens and their use of technology, including video games and social media and text messaging and stuff like that. And, you know, it's been a long time. We've we've realized a long time ago that girls are playing video games just as much as boys are. So now the question is like, well, why don't I see them playing games? That seems to be the question everyone has. And this research uh, found that girl, like boys overwhelmingly use video games as social things, whereas girls do not. Sure. Yeah, like the, the differences are pretty astounding. So like 74% of boys versus 31% of girls talk with friends while gaming or have ever talked with friends while gaming. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of like six, so out of the, the test, like 60% of the girls played games, which is about in line with other research done by like EA about how many women play games. Um, 40%, 47% of that number never play online. Like, 50% of women who play games don't, or girls, these were girls, teens, don't play online. And then 27% never even play with someone else in the room. Okay. Like, that's a quarter of girls play video games, have never played a video game with someone else in the room. Just lock the door. Yeah, so it's really not, like, the nerd gamer boys that we should be worried about isolating themselves with video games. It's always young mm-hmm. girls. Um, they, they went on to look at other numbers. It's something like 20, only 28% of girls who play games online use a mic, um, versus more than 70% of boys do. And so they, which is a huge difference in people. And then someone smart did more statistics and determined that that means only 9% of that 60% of teen girls use voice chat while gaming i'm sorry i did that math wrong so nine percent of girls use like at all use voice chat while gaming that's that's yeah. less than ten percent which is a <laughs> uh, crazy low number did, did i maybe i've told you this um <laughs> my my buddy drew um we lived in arkansas and this is like nearish the beginning of steam um he he played a lot of Mm counter-strike um but he uh at one point he he changed his profile and he changed it to a picture of his sister and and changed his profile to be female the the moment he did that he started getting tons of invites into a whole bunch of like counter-strike <laughs> guilds and everything um and they all these guys uh wanted him as a girl to get a mic so they could hear her her him um and he's like no 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 i, I don't want to do that you know uh i'm just not comfortable 
and um but like eventually like uh we had packages show up at the door (laughs) and all these guys would send him hard drives full of games really yeah it was super weird and bizarre that's like a positive (laughs) reverse sexism boys don't get free games (laughs) No. I'm kidding. I don't believe it. But women get entire hard drives of them. I know. Wow. Yeah. So that was one theory. The response to this article, of course, was very similar, is that being, presenting yourself as a woman online, or or pretty much anyone, I think, not like a cis, I don't know, not a dude, um, is frustrating. I'm going to use the word frustrating. Uh, you experience a lot of harassment. There was another study, it was about Counter-Strike, that said that, like, 75% of women experience, like, sexual harassment while playing Counter-Strike, which is three yeah. to four. It's pretty high. Uh, of course, you know, 75% of women who played Counter-Strike in this study also felt empowered by playing Counter-Strike, so it seemed worthwhile to them. Totally cool. So, yeah, so the response to the study was people are being like, you know, girls recognize this environment is really toxic. So they don't participate, blah, blah, blah. And I think that's a totally valid thing. Like, I definitely feel some anxiety about being, like, having a mic on in games with strangers because the likelihood is they're going to, at some point, say something dumb, and I'm going to have to, like, emotionally deal with that. Or, like, ignore them, which still requires emotionally dealing with it. Right, yeah. Which... Is one thing, but honestly, I don't play online not because of my fear of harassment. Uh, it's back to that other reason of wanting to be alone for once. Because the study also found that girls are like way more likely to use like text me- text messaging and social media to stay in contact with people. Okay. Yeah, so it's not that girls like aren't communicating using technology, or not even not communicating. Like social media is an incredibly toxic environment, <laughs> and, yeah. and girls are still participating in it. So I was wondering if there was like a way to balance like yes it should be we should make environments less toxic for women to participate but I don't know if equity in terms of participating online or offline is really the goal if that makes any sense I'm around people all the time and I'm doing emotional labor all the time involving communication and like dealing with feelings uh, that I just don't <laughs> want to sometimes <laughs> Sure. And like games are my way to be like, no feelings today. We're done with those. Thank you. Come again. Um, that kind of thing. I don't know. So I was, I've been thinking about that for a while with that research that everyone's immediate response is we need to get those numbers higher. And I was thinking like, well, we should like, I'm, I would like to see some studies about the reasons why women and girls especially are choosing to play alone. Sure. But I'd never heard that story about your friend on the hard drive. You never sent me a hard drive filled with games. I played games with you right. online. I also didn't have a hard drive full of games. <laughs> and also, uh, you would not play those hard drive full of games. What kind of games were they? You name a game, it was on there. Uh, Barbie Horse Adventures. Yep. Really? No, it wasn't. <laughs> no. You liar. I mean, have you ever played... Do you play games alone? Gaming alone. <laughs> oh, that's what I'm from. Is I'm Kyle from Gaming Alone. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I have played games <laughs> by myself. Uh, one I'm trying to think of the ones that I played. <laughs> yeah, it Two really is. can be as lonely as fun if you're gaming. That's pretty good. <laughs> it was pretty good. Lay it, lay it on the track. Great job. Thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I played games alone. Um, it's kind of fun. Uh, there are things that I can lose a lot of time in um, playing alone. So it eats up a lot of time. And it's it's something that, like, I enjoy it, but then I kind of feel guilty about it, too. Because I'll be going to bed at, like, 8 in the morning from playing a game. Because um, I can get really into them, and if there's, like, nothing to stop me... I'll just keep going. Um, Most people consider wanting but, to sleep. A thing that would stop them. 
right? (laughs) Sleep, eat, go to the bathroom. All those things would deter you from continuing to play. But I'm not you, and I'm I'm a firm believer into each their own. So, yeah. I don't know. I don't have a uh, a story or anything for it. The answer is just yes. I guess a different question would be, have you ever played a game alone that you haven't wanted to or intended to talk to someone else about? No. So it's always been like in the back of your mind thinking about how this is part of relating to other people? Yeah. Like I, uh, when I played Fallout, it's like I play it and then I, I want to tell people like about where my character is and like the adventure that I'm having and like see how it compares to like everybody else, I guess. Um, because everybody can have such a different story and so everybody has different moments that they experience. So it's kind of cool to it's in a way it's a shared universe but they're all separate um, dimensions, I guess, of that universe. Because uh, I remember uh, when, I mean, I guess I should say, <laughs> just nix it all and say when Skyrim came out, uh, my roommates and I were all playing it, and we all kind of did separate paths. Um, so we all had completely different stories to tell each other. Cause like I did like the mage guild, uh, somebody did like the assassins guild, another person did, uh, the fighters guild. And so like all of our stories are so different and like you just, you, you gained knowledge of the game by just listening to somebody else's story. So like, I didn't need to go do those quests. Like I just learned about it from somebody. So it's like, you're listening to a storyteller learn about the lore of this world. And that was always kind of cool. Yeah, that is super cool. It's basically like an escape room, but with games. Have you ever been in an escape yeah. room? Anyway, I was just thinking about when escape rooms, everyone has like different roles that they come back and report to and like to help solve the overall puzzle of the escape room. Sure. I might have been stretching that metaphor a little bit. I've never done an escape room. <laughs> I've only so heard about it like. in stories. I think the people who okay, told me about cool. escape rooms were like well-functioning teams because that sounds very uh-huh. efficient. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's not everyone's experience with an escape room. So we're, we're real well informed about this topic. Yeah, man, there's sometimes I'm so jealous. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. I'm so jealous of like your large network of people that you talk to about games, which is kind of absurd because I have my whole master's degree was about games. Um, but it was a real sh- <laughs> I know right. But it's always been a really, it's been a huge struggle for me to talk about games, to have opinions about games publicly. As I said, some of it's due to like just some of the weird responses you get when you tell people that you're a lady and you're studying games. You've heard many of my awkward stories about this, but some of it's also just because it's always been such a private thing for me that to suddenly share it with a bunch of people and potentially strangers was always really terrifying. Like even this podcast actually is every time I post something where I have some sort of emotional response to anything we have about games, it's really hard for me to to post. It's like a mini right, like brave bravery exercise, and I, I think I always hid behind. In some ways, being in a master's program was a lot easier because you can hide behind this cloak of like academic. It's not academic objectivity because it's not a thing necessarily, but you're not supposed to necessarily put a ton of your personal feelings or experience in it, (laughs) right? Otherwise, it's, you know, not very well sourced. (laughs) It's not a well-cited paper if your only source is yourself. They They usually don't like this. Yeah. It's basically like citing Wikipedia, but... Yeah, so... I'm conflicted about that. About not being able to cite yourself? Uh, a little bit. I think it would depend on the project. I mean, like, I, the, the like... I mean yeah. basically, you're citing yourself in the entire paper because it's your opinion that's backed up by other evidence. So you can think of it as the whole thing is your opinion. And some people do incorporate their own feelings into it, but it's like... 
there's like a whole like literary culture around it that's like a little a little clinical i think and so that was easier than just like talking to my friends about video games to this day i have the hardest time talking to my mom about video games like i was home for christmas playing the new Lorecraft go game on my phone and i was like obsessed with it and they were like can you tell us about the game like we want to like bond with you and i was like oh you just like solve puzzles um like I was like totally it's weird it was like a very like bodily uncomfortable response to talk about like my video game experience and interesting I know but there was one breakthrough it was a couple it was a couple winters ago where my sister for the longest time has said she's not a gamer but she does play a lot of games like on her phone and I remember growing up she always played games um, so she does play games. She just doesn't identify as a gamer. So I gave her, I had just finished Monument Valley and all the additions to it. And I was like in love with this game. And I yeah. showed it to her and she like obsessively played it for like the evenings when we were visiting. And we never really talked yeah. about it. But to me, that was like a weird moment of bonding with my sister that like she played a game that I had played. And we probably had totally different experiences, but there was like some weird moment of connection over this thing that I loved. And I was really excited to see that she really loved, but we never talked about it. Yeah. <laughs> there was no like sharing of information or knowledge with the exception of, she would sometimes get frustrated and be like, Jamie, I can't solve this puzzle. And then I'd show her and then she'd walk away. <laughs> would... Goodbye. I'm done with you. <laughs> yeah. So it was just always very weird. So like this, this podcast and my website in general has been a real exercise in like being vulnerable, which is super weird compared to, so like I get jealous when I hear your stories about like being able to very openly share and talk and like, I don't know. It's, I don't want to say jealous. It's different. It's unusual to me. You're, there's not that many people that I yeah. think about, but I also think, but I think it's like, uh, cause I've told you like, um, one of like my main goals in life was to be like a storyteller, like be able to tell stories in some way, which is why I chose art. Cause it was like, that was the easiest way for me to tell stories. But like, I, I have always enjoyed sharing kind of like my experiences that I've had, like in games. And like, I would do that with my parents too, like try to explain to them like what was happening in this game and how it was kind of cool. Um, and like, the getting to because we did um the that bomb disposal game over christmas Mm -hmm. and so that was like the the first time that i i kind of had the whole family playing like a video game together um and that was pretty cool because like it was something that was it was easier for my parents to get into um once they kind of understood like reading the manual of like how to disarm it like they really enjoyed it well my mom did i guess my dad didn't really <laughs> but one out of two is is not bad <laughs> that's 50 percent. yeah so that's kind of cool and that's like another like social aspect and sharing like an experience of of playing a game yeah i mean i love board games although yeah like, and my family and I play a ton of card games. And for some reason, that's yeah. sharing that experience is much easier for me. But digital games, for some reason, just, I think, like, affect me on a personal level in a way that card games do not. <laughs> um, and I think some of that just comes from the types of feelings that become available to you when you're sitting and being introspective. And when you take that and move it into the realm of the social, it loses some of that, like magical introspective quality and is and is Hmm. vulnerable so like sometimes playing digital games with other people like i don't enjoy the games as much yeah yeah unless i unless i can uh, pretend they don't exist which is what i do when you're around and i'm playing a game (laughs) (laughs) it's just you cease to exist as a human in the space that i'm in (laughs) i love you a lot thank you uh-huh. Hanging out with me. Yep. <laughs> it's okay. I, I get that feeling a lot from people. <laughs> that they love you because 
they they love me and choose to ignore me. <laughs> Yours was much lower uh, than mine. Mine was kind of comical. Like <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> there you go, is that better? No, I was saying yours was sadder. Uh yeah, does your family yeah. play card games together? No, we did not play card games. I mean, I guess we played Canasta a little bit, but it was not... We didn't really play a lot of card games. We've played more board games in recent years. Um, but growing up, we didn't play a lot of board games um, because board games are are set up that there's one winner. Um, and my parents and just the way they were raised we're not we're kind of like the uh what is it um i'm so excited for whatever this word is going to be <laughs> <laughs> the what is it when um i mean i would say it's like a a, a liberal hippy dippy kind of a thing where it's like everybody wins everybody gets a trophy uh, they wanted like you participated here's Here's some stuff. Yeah, the, the participation yeah. trophy kind of a you thing. You know, they've done studies that uh, show that that's not great. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but also, uh, Kurt was not good at losing, mm. is the other thing. Um, <laughs> Something me and Kurt also have in there were There were many, many board games that were flipped because Kurt did not I win. I love the fact that your brother literally uh, flips boards. Yeah. <laughs> That emotional expression has carried over, and I just, I love the overreaction of, like, flipping a board, which I haven't actually done, but I love mimicking, <laughs> I've, tossing I've seen you mimic many emotional gestures that you don't feel. <laughs> <laughs> I have feelings. No, you don't. We have this listed on our list of future podcasts as games that make us feel things and why you don't have feelings. <laughs> Because <laughs> no game has made you feel things. Yeah. astounding. I mean, just not in the same way, I think. I, I think I do feel things. I've but. never flipped a board, but I did cheat in Shoots and Ladders one time, which is actually the I dedicated uh, things I've written to my mom with that epithet, which is like, thanks for encouraging me to love games, even after I cheated at that Shoots and Ladders game that one time. <laughs> But you gotta be pretty, pretty gnarly person to try to cheat at shoes and ladder. There's literally only two game mechanics. <laughs> so right. I don't, I'm not sure what I did, but I didn't flip the board. But I remember I did get a stern talking to about sportsmanship and how when you're playing a game, you have to be very attentive to people's feelings to make sure everyone is having fun. Back to why it blows to play games with other people. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. in my mind i'm supposed to be dedicated to making sure everyone's having fun which sucks sometimes because i just want to flip the table right and, and i guess it only works if it's like a table flipping game it's all about con it's all yeah. about context uh you can do that in a tabletop simulator do you know that oh i did not there's yeah, a lot of simulators can... that I'd like to play. Tabletop simulator would be sure. nice. I also want to play that Toast game, which I don't think is an actual oh, simulator. Yeah. Oh, the, the I Am Bread? <laughs> yes. I don't think this is a simulator. Um, simulators are a fun story. I definitely, in my babysitting adventures, have watched many a fourth grader, and by many a fourth grader, I mean one specifically, play <laughs> many, many much farming simulator yeah. Curious. <laughs> Curious things abound in the simulator world. But yeah, I don't know. I feel like um feelings, feelings. Feelings in games, man. They're a thing. I know. And on that note, I think we should wish our our lovely listeners a a good day. Thanks for tuning in to Episode 2 of Gaming Broadcast of GamingBroadly.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, please uh, like and subscribe to our podcast. It helps out a lot. Maybe give us a positive review. It does. It does uh, 
our our intro and outro songs is uh rojo in azul by los corrados uh big thanks to for them for letting us use it uh oh yeah i'm kyle of not gaming broadly (laughs) and i'm jamie dale of gaming broadly and we'll see you back here soon ready for action